For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Shall we pray? O dear Heavenly Father, we are gathered this morning to hear your word. O Lord, as I preach to your people, to your flock, may your word that is alive and active cut through their hearts, encourage them and convict them, May you, work, may you make my utterances clear that your people may leave this room energized and encouraged. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. For I, the Lord, do not change. The title of my sermon is defined in our text. God being immutable, means he's, unchange he's unchangeable. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, defines the term immutable as God is a spirit whose being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Friends, I recall when I taught on the attributes of God in our 1689 confession, I brushed off through certain attributes, and this one in particular, the immutability of God, stood out. So I've waited for a while to stand before you and do due diligence and clarify the immutability of God. Friends, God is not like us. We humans are prone to change. We are always becoming. But dear friends, God has no room for improvement. He has always been and always will be perfect. He is not like the world that is made with passing fabric or material. Our seasons are constantly changing time and again. So friends, just as our theme for today, a majestic and high view of God, I want, us to, I want to charge you this morning to have a high view of God. I want us to be awed by, by his grand attributes, particularly as we focus on the, on the immutability of God this morning. Thoughts about God should bring all of us to our knees, and we ought to have many of those thoughts, friends. For one thing is for certain, I know this would do us well in our walk with him. Allow me to quote Charles Spurgeon. He would say, The subject of God humbles the mind and at the same time expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than a man who simply wanders around this tiny globe. Now when we jump back into our text in Malachi, we see the prophet is announcing the Lord's judgment upon his people because of their evil, because of their sin. This is for, for the background of, 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 of the chapter and the text. Then in our focused, uh, uh, in our, in our focused text, the Lord asserts 
himself of his immutable nature, of his unchangeable nature. And in the same statement, we get to know why he's saying it. The Lord says, therefore, you all children of Jacob are not consumed. We now see the Israelites being preserved from complete annihilation or complete destruction despite their sin. But why? God preserved them because of the promise he made with their fathers. God doesn't change in regard uh, to his covenant promises. He promised always to remain faithful to Israel. And we see a chain of reminders of God affirming those promises on different occasions. For example, let's jump to Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 8. I'll read in the following. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples. But it, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Another text, Leviticus 26 Verse 42, then I, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will, I will remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. Amen. Friends, I'm not here to talk about covenants. Our pastor here is doing a stellar job in guiding us in that in our confession classes. My focus is rooted in the majestic, immutable nature of God that we see in such texts in Malachi, even all across Scripture. We can read such scriptures and browse through them and not ponder on what it means when God says He doesn't change. I believe this is an attribute worth exploring. So friends, I want to take you on a journey we want to explore three points. How the immutable nature of God is sin. Number one, in his being. Number two, in his word. Number three, in his salvation. The first point in his being. Just as from the beginning I said, God is not like us. We humans, we change. Take for instance, the church can agree for a church outing, and everyone can sign up today. But when the day of the outing arrives, 20% of the church shows up. What is that saying about us? Constantly changing, constantly turning back from our own word. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and we will not fulfill it? Numbers 23, verse 19. Let's note, the Son of Man expressed in this text is not referring to Christ, but it's referring to man because of the lowercase s. Just a side note. Psalm 102, verse 26 to 27. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Mm -hmm. 
It's impossible for God to change in his being. He's unchangeable in his essence, his attributes, and character. If God could change his being, it would mean that he's not perfect. It would void him of being God. But that's not the case today because we read in our text from Malachi, God himself saying he's immutable. The very same God uttering those words to the Israelites. We see that even in his holiness, he's unequaled. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. There is, there is no one, there is no one holy like, like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Friends, all this truth is eternal. And it won't change. No, not even for one bit. Amen. Now, if we move on to the second point, how God is immutable in his word. What we need to understand on, on, on this point is, is that what God has spoken will forever stand. Scriptures like Isaiah 40, verse 8 the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. I like what Peter, uh, how Peter uses uh, this verse um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 to 25. Peter states, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, all flesh is like grass, and all his glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. I like the beautiful connection Peter makes, showing that the enduring word Isaiah spoke is the same word of the gospel that is preached and believed. And friends, it brings salvation. Having this word is more than just having it. It's knowing and understanding that we possess, that what we possess, what we have in our hands today is alive and active and it is true. All the words we read in scripture, friends, they're not fables, they're not fairy tales. These are the holy, inspired words of God. If we turn to the Mount Everest of the Sauter, Psalms 119, we read, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules and doers forever. The psalmist declares the infallible character of the word of God. The entire word is eternally true, as I mentioned before. Just, just take a moment and think when you meditate upon a, a particular text in, in the scriptures. You will not need to worry that the word you just uh, read or just started to meditate upon will not last forever. It shouldn't be a worry. Why? You'll be comforted knowing that 
days or years from now that the portion of text will forever stand as true and you can pass it down to generations and generations not changing one dot Christ in, in Matthew 5 verse 18 he says for truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away not an iota, not a dart will pass from the law until all is accomplished. We look again in the book of Luke 16 verse 17. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away for one, for one dart of the law to become void. Christ our Lord and Savior cannot stress this truth enough. Generations can pass, but God's standard of truth will forever will forever be the same. From the way of salvation to the standard of, 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 of the family to the standard of even morality. It will always be the same. It won't change because society is now defining what's, what's wrong as right or, or, or what's right as wrong. God always states he, he, he hates homosexuality just because society has, has, has redefined that and says it's okay, love is love, you can love whoever you want. That's not true. If you open the whole council of scripture, we see how the Lord detests such practices. Evidence, Sodom and Gomorrah. Completely, completely annihilated because of it. What makes it right today? So we should be rooted in understanding that God's word is there forever. You will die. Our children will have the same word if the Lord keeps us. Or them. It will not fade. Genesis 1 verse 1 will forever stand as true. Genesis 1 verse 1. Point 3. How God is immutable in salvation when he's salvation. The unchanging nature of God is seen in his salvation by keeping of the elect. No believer can lose their salvation. God from eternity past chose the elect to be the bride of his son. And they are and they're to be kept secure and never falling from grace. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 verse 29 to 30. Mm. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Based on what we know now, God's unchanging nature in his word is, is, is unchangeable even in, the, in, the, in, 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 in his 
salvation, as we're seeing, predestination is evidence of God's unchanging nature. What he is foredained from eternity past is what we are seeing now. For if you're saved by grace alone through faith, you will be kept for eternity. Amen. If we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, in Christ, sorry, I, I, I have three, three beautiful verses. I want us to, 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 to understand as we, as we, as we see how, how he's in changing nature, sin in salvation. The, number one is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. The second verse. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. For if it's, if it's possible for a Christian to lose their salvation on this one, God himself would have to revoke his purchase of, individual, or of the individual for, for whom he paid with the precious blood of Christ. God would have to turn back. And is that possible? No. The famous John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If a Christian is to lose their salvation, eternal life would have to be redefined. The Christian is promised to live forever, for eternal, for, for eternity. Eternal means eternal. Forever. Amen. That's what we have to understand. How can you measure eternity if you are to think of it? I mean, if you want to try it, all the best. But that's the picture I want you to have. Eternity. You, you, you. When Christ saves you, he has you forever. Yes, once saved, always saved. No one, no one can lose their salvation. So, even if people who say that, uh, uh, Maybe, you know, from here, for example. If five years from now, you say, well, I used to be a Christian. Well, I'll break it down to you. You were never a Christian. If you dare now to walk around saying, well, I used to uh, uh, be a BRBC member. I used to be a zealous Christian. And say, well, that life is no more. I'm no longer a Christian. You were never one bit a Christian, even if you, you were there 10 years, there's no such thing as that. Our God is immutable. If He saves you, He's got you for good. And we see this beautiful picture being painted in John 4, verse 14. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become uh, in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. There is no thirst in Christ. You should do well to believe this. You should do well to help your brothers and sisters out there who, who believe that they can, they can maintain or try to keep up with their salvation. That, oh, if I sin, oh, I have to go back to the mercy seat of God and Christ has to die again for me. That is not true. I mean, imagine it if, 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 if we could lose it. I'll be terrified because how many times do you sin in a day? How many times do you have to believe that each time you, you sin, Christ has to die for you again on the cross? He died once for all. Application. So what's our response in knowing about the immutability of God? I have three points. As a believer, trust in God's promises and rely on His faithfulness. This trust is a source of great strength and comfort in times of difficulty. When you trust in the promises of God, for example, it's not always rosy in this life. We can all attest to that. We can all agree to that. But for example, if we say that uh, 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 as a Christian, God will, will, will keep me forever. He will, he, he will take care of me. He will provide everything I need. Right. But when you see that your life has so many zigzags or has, has, there's so much tension in your life and, and so much struggle, when we understand that God is immutable, when you, when you, when you read the promises of God that, that even in Him providing for you, if you sleep on by just, for example, drinking water and two pieces of bread, the Lord has provided. Are we then to come in and say, well, okay, because I know that God provides for me, because I know that God takes care of me, as He has promised in His word, I have to provide for him a menu of the things I need. If he doesn't provide for me uh, 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 a platter of, 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 of meat, then he's not taking care of me. If he provides less for me, you know, is he, is he, even, is he even fulfilling his promise? You now see the sinfulness of, our, of, of, of us in, 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 in wanting to, to, to go before God and, and wanting to, to, to uh, uh, um, dictate how the Word of God should be in our lives. Whatever God said in His Word, we should take it so dearly and see it as truth, no matter the circumstances in our lives. Second point, as a believer, submit to God's will and authority. This submission to God's will is an act of faith and obedience. 
And it leads to a life of peace and joy, friends. Amen. Just to connect with the first point. When you submit to God's will and authority, God's sovereign will over your life, friends, when you uphold to that, the peace and joy you feel amidst of, 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 of trials, amidst of the struggles, you have peace, undeniable peace that comes from, from, from the Lord and joy. Not happiness, but joy. I think of when, when we, we understand the term authority to us. It's, it's, it's a strong word, you know, it's, 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 you know, God's authority and will. So, so many are, are, are scared off by that. It's like as if, you know, you know it's, 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 he has an iron fist, you know, he's, he's, he's this ruthless God who's ready to put you down any time. But friends, when you think of it in light of the whole council of scripture, God's will and authority is, is there for you. He has the best interests interest for you. Third point. A believer worships God for his eternal love and mercy. The knowledge of God's love and mercy is a powerful drive or motivator for us to live holy and godly lives. I'll read it again. This knowledge of God's love and mercy is a powerful drive and motivation for us to live holy and godly lives. Hearts of worship. Postures that are, are, are bowed down to the majesty of God. Knowing, knowing how, how God's love is, is there for us in every season and never changing one bit. Acts of God's mercy. For example, the Israelites, as we've read, they were preserved. God's, God's love and mercy of not immediately annihilating. If they understood that, their apostles should let's live holy and godly lives. But how many times as Christians, knowing such truths, knowing that God, God is love, God is merciful, knowing such attributes of Him, our posture is always the opposite. It's like we are, it's like we are, it's like the old man is, 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 is always fighting to go against that. Sin makes you think that God doesn't have mercy. As a Christian, if you sin, or when you sin, we oftentimes uh, are prone to, 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 to hide away, not wanting to confess our sins, going before the mercy seat of God. Oh Lord, I'm a sinner. Not being like the tax collector. But we first want to join us at first, but you know, I, you know if, I, if I first do this, if I, if I, and then you don't just lie, so then maybe God can see me, maybe God can, can forgive me. That's a low view of, 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 of understanding the, the love <clears throat> and mercy of God. 
So, to the unsaved, to the non-believer, maybe in this room or maybe you're hearing my voice on your devices. You might have heard that this Christian thing is a game or it's a, it's a make-believe. But would you ponder on this today? The apostles did not make this up and tell each other to be burnt on stakes, to be beheaded. You know, we need to, to, to make up a story. But you know what? There was a person called Christ. He died and he, he resurrected on the third day. So now let's go all around the world and share this, this, this Hollywood movie and die. How many of you would do that? I can attest none. Would you be willing to die for a fake story? To be, to be, to be cut off your head or you know, to be burned, to be, to be hanged upside down for a fake story? I doubt that. In fact, you won't. It's, it's a religion that's stained in blood and sacrifice. Martyrs that, that, that understood, that had a high view of God and saying, we are willing to sacrifice our lives to forward the gospel, to forward the good news of the gospel to the lost. It's not a selfish thing to, you know, say, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you know, I'll be in my home. I, I, I'll pray for other men to be raised up and, you know, to go out there and preach the gospel. Me and my wife, good, we would just do our devotions. We need to have a heart for souls, friends. That's having a high view of God. When you understand that his word is unchanging, even in regard to, to the gospel, to salvation, you're prompted to, 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 to carry whatever you have and go out there and preach the gospel. I'm not saying let's fly out to Peru. Even your neighbor. How many times have you ever preached the gospel to our neighbor? But we have so much zeal to go and preach the gospel in, in I stay in Hillside, but I have so much zeal to go in Mfakos. Uh, uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, you, you could do it, but have you just walked a few steps and say hello? Do you know Christ? Do you know this, this majestic Christ, the immutable God? Do you know him? That's the heart I, I, I want us to have. Amen. The Christian life is not a social club. We're not gathered in this room to, you know, just gather around, hear me talk, present, you know, and then, ah, okay, those are good speech steps. Thank you. It's not about that. I didn't, I didn't come here to, 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 to present a presentation. I didn't spend uh, hours and minutes uh, writing a sermon so that I impress a, a few people. It's because you understand what's at stake. When all of you are seated there knowing that we're saved, it doesn't bring me like, you know, I have to relax. Because as Christians, we need the gospel every day. Daily. 
So, again, back to the non-believer. God the Son came down to live amongst us. He was fulfilling a plan that was there from eternity past. A plan that didn't change. A plan that can never be thwarted. God doesn't have plan B for salvation, mind you. There aren't any other ways that a man can be saved. Apart from the risen Christ. Christ, he, he died a gruesome death that we all deserved. And on the third day, death was defeated and was resurrected from the dead. The sacrifice was accepted. The elect to be called sons or children of God. Not because of your goodness, not because there was something that you did to impress God. Because of Christ's work on the cross. There was a price that had to be paid for you to be called a Christian. A price that had to be paid. Because friends, we're on the brink of complete annihilation. So now that you've heard or known this from my voice, or should I say from God's word, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9. Believe in this if you're not a Christian. Again, it's not a game. Friends, this is God's word and it's entirely true for every age. It has been passed down from, from different generations of men and nothing changed, nothing will change because he is and will forever be immutable. Amen. Amen. Allow me to pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, our oh, majestic and immutable God, we are all but sinful men who are prone to change, prone to go against your word. But Lord, as you spoke to your people today, shall we ponder on your marvelous word that is unchanging? Shall we burn in our hearts to, 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 to want to live for you with that understanding of who you are, of your grand attributes? Be with us, Lord, in our walk. It's not only about Sunday, it's an everyday requirement for every believer. And if there's anyone who is in this room who does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would have mercy on their soul. That, Lord, they will be partakers of this wonderful gift of salvation. Lord, I pray all this in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen.